Ontario is expected to uh, detail plans today for how the province will move uh, beyond current uh, health restrictions uh, for COVID-19. The situation has uh, stabilized in the province since uh, plans were paused in mid-August to exit Step 3, and that is uh, in large part thanks to uh, vaccinations. Nearly 88% of eligible Ontarians have at least one dose of the vaccine. We are at this point, as I said, largely due to vaccinations. However, vaccination rates for young people are lagging behind somewhat. Only 80% of those 12 to 17 have received one dose. 71% have received two. Some research done by the Ontario Medical Association shows young people 12 to 17 and their parents have some of the lowest COVID-19 vaccination rates, with the vaccine soon to be opened up to 5 to 11-year-olds, assuming that's approved. This, I think, is something worth discussing. Uh, Dr. Adam Kassam is the president of the Ontario Medical Association. He joins us now. I appreciate the time today. Good morning, Devin. The data you got here was, was pretty interesting. Parents aren't necessarily concerned about the impact the vaccine has on children. It's more about choice. It's about body autonomy. And they don't like being called anti-vaccine or vaccine hesitant. It's an interesting uh, uh, needle that is being threaded here. Yeah, no pun intended on the needle part, but certainly... Oh, yeah, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Certainly, I think that there is still some concern out there that as we start moving forward in a reopening plan that you've just sort of announced uh, or described at the top, and hopefully we'll get some more information about that later today from the province, but certainly we want to make sure that uh, we are getting as many and capturing as many people who are fully eligible, regardless of age now, and, and we're expecting at some point for Health Canada to approve vaccines for the ages of 5 to 11 as well. And so this becomes a concerted effort now on the part of the profession and the public health authorities to start vaccinating the youth as well as children. And I think that this is where uh, advocacy, education and pediatricians, as well as family doctors, uh, have a significant role to play as far as educating the, the younger groups of folks as well as their parents. If people are worried about getting the vaccines or have concerns of some sort, uh, what should they do? Who should they talk to? So first of all, I think it's important to recognize that I think across the world, Devin, we've given out now over 6 billion uh, uh, vaccine doses for COVID-19. That's a staggering amount. I think it represents the largest um, mass vaccination effort global mass vaccination effort in the history of our of our societies. And so we should recognize that this means that the vaccines are safe, that they're effective, that they have been instrumental in being able to control the spread of COVID-19 in, in places where the vaccination rates have been significantly high. I think that we should be encouraged by our numbers here in Canada and in Ontario, but of course we still have work to do. And so if you do have questions, if you, there are concerns, if people are on the fence, I urge them to talk to their doctor, talk to their pediatrician, reach out to someone who they trust and have a conversation about that. One of the ongoing issues we have had in uh, this country and in this province in particular is not everyone has a family doctor. Not everyone has that person they can turn to. Do you think that has played a role in eroding trust in, 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 in vaccines and medicine? Sorry for the interruption. That's a very good question, Devin. And, you know, to your point, almost a million people in the province of Ontario don't have a family doctor. 
or don't have access to a family doctor. I think this speaks to the general shortage of physicians um, that that exists in this province. And actually on Monday and Tuesday of this coming week, we're actually going to be announcing a little bit more uh, in detail some of those those numbers and, and plans on how we can address them. But as it stands now, there are many patients who don't have access to those to those resources. And so what I urge those folks to do um, is to either um, you know go uh, reach out to a pharmacy, reach out to a um, an urgent care clinic, reach out to uh, a, a COVID-19 assessment center where there are those professionals who are working Working in our, and, and there are also, by the way, Devin pop-up clinics and vaccination clinics that are running throughout the province. I urge them, I urge folks to, to reach out to those people who are staffing them, who do have very good information uh, to get to, to get the answers that they need. Uh, Colin Powell died this week from COVID-19. He was vaccinated, but he was also immunocompromised. I think it kind of underscores the fact that, you know, we get the vaccine for ourselves, but also for others. Absolutely, Devin. And in the case of Mr. Powell, as you said, that he was um, he was dealing with a blood cancer, and so his immune system was uh, quite significantly compromised. I think he was in his mid 80s as well. And so um, I think it's important to recognize that it's uh, that that um, that was that that played a significant role uh, in, in in unfortunately his passing from COVID-19, but that doesn't uh, discount or dispute the, the data that we have, the evidence that we have that for the vast majority of people, um, uh, we are uh, seeing in- incredible rates of protection because of, of the vaccine itself. And another point on that, I, which I think is important for folks to recognize, is that even in places where I'm working, so in long-term care facilities, even in southwestern Ontario, so places like Elmer and St. Thomas, et cetera, where I come uh, periodically to treat patients, uh, those folks are actually getting now their third shot, so booster shots. And so this has been expanded as far as the province is concerned in terms of eligibility for a third dose. It includes immunocompromised, it includes vulnerable patient populations, it includes transplant recipients, and it includes patients who are are actively immunocompromised. So uh, these are just some important details that I think your listeners would value. It's you know the overall kind of point of what you guys are making to me is is a good one in terms of just talk to people, talk about this, and 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 discuss it. I guess it also speaks to some of you know at large the one of the issues we have in this these times is we don't always talk about these things. They become so charged, people you know are reluctant to discuss this because of how they might be viewed or what might be said. It's it's an it's a small thing, but it's a huge thing uh, to to do. I think Devin, you're absolutely right that it's become a broader, uh, conver- I guess, conversation or perhaps a a broader issue with society where uh, the the temperature of rhetoric that has unfortunately taken hold in our society has has gotten so high. Uh, the volume uh, on those conversations is so loud. And what I think we need to be able to do is just dial down the volume, dial down the temperature, have a honest, uh, uh, you know, judgment-less conversation with folks, because ultimately uh, we have to all, we're all on the same team here. We need to get through this together. This is a collective effort. And so if we can do our part to not shame and blame, but instead of educate and advocate, I think that's really the forward uh, step uh, that we need to take. Uh, Dr. Adam Kassam, as always, I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Devin. That's uh, Dr. Adam Kassam uh, from the Ontario Medical Association, president of the OMA.